Welcome to Top Dog Podcast. I'm Katja. I'm Adrian. Good on you taking your dog on a walk. I hope so. And I hope you take your dog for at least half an hour because that's how long it takes us to tell you all the good things today. You will meet people who, just like you, love their dogs and they do amazing things and have great ideas. And we are convinced that they do make your life and your dog's life much, much better. So, Katja, what do you think? Shall we unleash the dogs? This program is rated D for dog. It contains sniffing, scratching and doggy themes. Odd people on the spot. One small step for man, one giant leap for canine kind. My top dog is not a secretary. I'm pregnant. Should I tell anyone? Uh, sorry, are you really pregnant? No, just kidding. <laughs> okay. Ah, I understand. Okay, and of course... Top Dog Oddspot Challenge. Top Dog Oddspot, whatever it is, Katja, today is a special one because we are waiting for a Skype call and this Skype call is coming from South Africa, from a couple. Uh, they did sort of write us an email, but they didn't say much who they are and, and what they up to. But they promised that their dog, called Frederiki, is amazing. So we are in for a surprise. Well, let's wait for that mystery call. But first, Top Dog Oddspot makes you laugh, cry or inspires. And for today, it's a success story. Turns out that... Oh, nice. Yeah, very nice indeed. Turns out that just after two months, after being rescued, a little puppy is making a career and she landed a dream job. Now, what do you think that job might be, Adrian? Wow. Uh, what could what could puppy do? Uh, not being a butcher? No. Could it be a gardener? Think about when she's a bit older. Uh, could be a mother? Mm, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, well, it might become a little bit more obvious. It turns out that nine-month-year-old Raven is a big fan of finding and retrieving balls. So the staff at the rescue center in Bristol, they decided that that obsession and that relentless energy that she's got would make her the perfect candidate for a job with... Goalkeeper. <laughs> <laughs> Yes? Close, oh. close. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. We should propose that. <laughs> Maybe she can do the two jobs part-time. <laughs> well, that, I think one job is enough anyway. So what is it? What is it? She is going to be a sniffer dog with the police. Oh, okay. Because she, she <laughs> right. smells the where the ball okay. is and then finds it and brings it back. Ah, I see. Okay, what well, what does the police do with the ball? A common <laughs> soccer ball. What what's so in interesting about a soccer ball? No, no, no. She's going to find whatever drugs, or um, they're going to train her. <laughs> ah, so she is spending now time with her trainer called Lee, and he says it's looking very promising. 
will wish her luck because that is a great job, I think, you know, to be with the police force. Yeah, it is. And let's hope that some malicious individual will have the idea to hide drugs in a soccer ball so that your puppy can find it. <laughs> That's a lot of effort. <laughs> no, great story, but what's the police going to do with a common soccer no, ball? No, just, just forget the soccer ball. <laughs> <laughs> okay, forget the soccer ball. All right, she's just yes. finding balls stuffed with drugs. Good on her. <laughs> or maybe we don't know about that uh, drug dealers always hide their drugs yeah, in balls. Yeah. Maybe that, that's that, how it That's works. fine. I, I don't want to be mean. I'm not mean. I honor that approach because I think, you know, when you do little things, they're, they're actually great things because we often think or say stuff that we should change something or do something and save the world but you know just saying it is not enough now you're right because most of us we walk the dog but not enough the talk like me I'm, i confess to that that's right but i know someone his name is john garsting he actually does walk the talk and he's got experience as a dog trainer and um so he is the founder of a company called For Dog's Sake in England. It's a dog care service in London, and he helps owners, dog owners or families, to nurture their own unique bond with their dog. And his mission is to reform dog shelters, which means he wants to establish new routines for the dogs in order to make it easy for them to be rehomed. That also involves a, an education for schools or families and uh, he not only goes to dog shelters and trains the dogs, he actually goes to families and school children and trains them. He has created a booklet where it explains exactly what it means to be a dog and to have a dog. And he did that all on his own. He's not getting paid by anyone. He just is passionate enough to do that on his own. And uh, he started in Lusaka, that's in Zambia, and moved on to Greece, to Rhodes, and I caught up with him there. One of my very, very good friends who works uh, in animal conservation was uh, called me from Zambia and, and said to me that uh, she'd been to a charity event and they were having huge problems with the animal sanctuaries in Zambia, uh, specifically with the, with the dog sanctuary, and would I be able to help? And it was just exactly at the time where I really needed a new challenge, and I was slipping into bad habits, and um, yeah, I was, I was just, I, I just needed something to, to really get me going again. And so I agreed pretty much on the spot to go out there and uh, lend a hand. Um, what I didn't realize was that in Zambia, they'd never had anyone uh, professional uh, with any knowledge of animal or dog welfare go over there and help. So I went over there, uh, all self-funded off my own back, um, and uh, I, had to, I had to think on my feet because I arrived. It was a completely alien environment for me, um, an amazing, beautiful country, and I was just thrust into this... Uh, dog sanctuary in Lusaka in the in the capital, and they just they just looked at me like, uh, right, you know what you're doing, <laughs> off you go. And I had to uh, I had to improvise, 
um, and that was where the journey started in, in, in Southern Africa. Um, and I'm happy to say that the things that I implemented there and my relationship with the uh, community, my relationship with the um, people at the sanctuary um, really bore a lot of fruit after a couple of months. And I started to develop a system in my head that I felt could work anywhere if I was given the opportunity to implement new ideas, work with local people, um, and uh, develop an interest in you know, just how different communities work and because there's always a lot of um, interest and passion around animal welfare wherever you go, but it's um, it's mostly lip service and I feel I felt like I could engage the people um, and, uh, and really make a difference and make each dog into a more attractively rehomable animal. So when people turn up at the sanctuary, they're, they're getting almost a finished result. I think what makes my project different to anyone else's is that I'm really focused on the human being as much as I'm focused on the dog. So what actually did you do with the dogs and the people? <laughs> when you go to a, an animal sanctuary, a dog sanctuary, you generally get chaos. Um, they're just trying to keep the dogs alive. They're just trying to feed them in any which way they can um, and really hoping that someday someone's going to come and choose them. But there's no real, there's no real uh, structure and it's quite ironic in a way because my life has never been that structured. But objectively, I can see that as soon as you offer structure in an animal sanctuary uh, to the individual dogs, so they're looking up to you and they're like, wow, I, I know what's going on. I know how my day is going to be. I know when my food is going to come. I know that there's little things that I have to do in order to get positive reinforcement. I'm going to get love. I'm going to get um, well-treated. This gives the dog uh, like a security blanket in a way. It means when people come to look in the sanctuary, that they're not going to get terrified by this absolute chaos, pandemonium that there is. And it was just crystal clear to me that as soon as you offered the dog some some routine and some re and a regime, and you put them together in little groups that they where they got on with each other and they would feel safe, then everything just calmed down. And uh, when we first got our um, members of the public in to uh, take a dog for a walk to meet uh, a prospective uh, adopted dog. Then, when we put them on the lead, they were wagging their tails, and you know, this is how you create this the magic where people really want to take something home and uh, start a relationship. Now, after that experience in Zambia, was then every dog being adopted after your <laughs> your <laughs> exercise, or what was the result? Well, the outcome was uh, people were turning up at the um, Sanctuary and the dogs were infinitely more calm and quieter and more receptive, and it, dogs were being rehomed weekly rather than never. Right, um, and with that and with that experience, you took the idea to Greece to road exactly, and um, how did you go there? That what was going on in in, in roads was uh, was really negative. So I, I started taking. Uh, I was given permission by uh, education services here to start bringing dogs into to schools for young people and uh, teaching them about body language and empathy and uh, as we call as we say soft skills the response from young children is this is unacceptable this is um, having dogs on chains uh, having dogs left on balconies for 20 hours a day is is really unacceptable and uh, what does it say about us as a, as a society if we can't look after vulnerable animals that are you know, reliant on us. 
John Gastang, founder of For Dog's Sake. I love the name. And I love that he just does it. He's got so much energy and it's um, just impressive. A very good example how uh, we can change things if we really want to. And on top of that, he also is an advocate for dogs being adopted rather than buying puppies. Anyway, so if you want to have more information about John Garsting, well, just go on the website for dogsake.london or just Google his name. He's also a musician and he's actually running a yoga retreat on roads on that Greek island. Mm, that sounds fabulous. Shall we go there one day? Oh, well, why not? With our dogs. That's definitely closer than South Africa. But Adrian, is it time now for mm. the couple from South Africa? Uh, I don't know. Uh, they didn't tell me when exactly they want to ring us. So I think we just have to wait. Okay, then let's get on with my top dog. Last week, we met Steph Rousseau. She is the author of Office Dog, The Manual, and she has two top dogs, Fia and Ferdia. So Fia is an, a retired ex-racing greyhound who I got when she was three years old. And she's such a character. She's been she's been on courses with me. She's been on holidays with me. And she's she's just great to be around, really. She's got an unfortunate affliction in that she suffers from corns on her feet. So she doesn't like walking on hard ground and she likes to be driven around. She's got very, very high expectations. She likes to be on sofas and on beds. And she's a real foodie. You can't leave anything out when Fia's around because she will she will grab things off counters. Um, but really what Fia likes is just being with me. Um, and what I really like is just being with her. She's a real character. Um, Ferdia has been a bit more difficult. I got Ferdia after my second, my, my first greyhound Alfie died because Fia was a bit lonely when I was out of the house. And Ferdia was... He was he was in a pharmaceutical laboratory being tested on. So when I got him, he was eight years old and he'd never really experienced the world. He was terrified of the wind. He was didn't know about walking on grass. He'd never walked in any grass. If he still, if he sees another dog on a walk, he has to turn around and go home. So it's been a real challenge with Ferdia. But he's got he's got the most adorable temperament. And anybody who comes into the house and sort of sits down beside him sort of falls in love with him because he's he just wants to be sitting on a couch with somebody beside him making a fuss of him and he's got very low expectations of life he never demands anything um and he's really he's really coming out of his shell we've had him about a year and a half now and he's he's really slowly but he's he's getting there and he's getting more interested and more confident so it's really it's really heartening to see him turn into i suppose more of a normal dog well, I just think that they're they're brilliant company and whenever whenever I'm anywhere apart from at home, I always have quite a strong urge just to get home to my dogs. And I think there's just something really nice about how they're always so they're always so accepting, they always just want to be with you, they're always really pleased to see you. I suppose it's 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 quite affirming to have a dog because they are always so positive about you. Um and I think the way they create a structure for your day. If you're ever 
kind of at home all day, you've got to take them out and you've got to you've got to do all those things. So they create a very nice structure. They encourage people, I think, to communicate. If you meet someone when you're out with a dog, it's it's quite a good opening for people to get chatting. So I think they're sort of they can be quite good social lubricant. Um, but really, I think they just have such a lovely, innocent presence and there's no malice in them. And they try so hard to to fit in with what we want, even though it's it's such a totally different world to what they would have, I suppose, naturally in the wild. So I think they're very they're very resourceful and resilient and obliging, really. That was Steph Rousseau, author of Office Dog, The Manual, with Fia and Ferdia. But Adrian, now it's got to be the perfect time for the South African couple to ring. Yeah, and I would be perfect right now, but you can't be impatient. We can't push them because, mm. uh, I don't know. I don't know when they're ringing, so we just have to wait. I'm sorry. Yeah. But I think... Uh, in the meantime, maybe let's talk to Dr. Louis Kirkham. We heard a little bit about him last time. He is a veterinarian in Port Melbourne, that's in Australia, and he's written a book, An Essential Guide for Dog Owners Who Are Expecting a Baby. But why would you actually want to tell your dog? Well, there are many, many reasons, important reasons, like uh, you want to create a loving bond between your dog and your new baby, wouldn't you? Yeah. So, Dr. Louis Kirkham tells us in his book how to approach that idea. Hi, Louis. May I say Louis? Yeah, yeah, sure. Dr. Yes. Louis? Yes, yeah, Dr. Louis, I said anything. Okay, yes. Dr. Louis Kirkham, veterinarian, I could say it. You know a lot about animal behaviour. Yeah, oh, look, I've done a further degree in, in animal behaviour. Um, and thanks very much for having me on. Oh, pleasure. So what do you have to do in order to become a behaviour, animal behaviour? Well, yeah. essentially what I've done is obviously I'm a vet first and then I've gone on and done uh, some qualifications through the Australian and New Zealand College of Veterinary Scientists um, by examination in animal behaviour. Um, and then I guess, you know, so I can, uh, technically I can't call myself a specialist because I'm not a specialist. Uh, if I wanted to go on and specialise in animal behaviour, I have to go off and do another six years of uh, of training and that sort of thing to become, I guess, an animal behaviourist. So I am a vet, but I do have a, um, a certain love for behaviour stuff and, uh, and a further qualification in it as mm. well. Well, I understand that uh, you have to be careful with titles, but don't sell yourself too cheaply because you're special enough. You, you've wrote a book. Uh, yes, I have. Thanks, Adrian. A, a book about uh, animal behavior and and mothers-to-be behavior probably too, isn't it? Is that, that a good combination? Yeah, <laughs> I think, yeah, yeah, I think you're covering it there. So it's, um, yeah, it's uh, Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant, an essential guide for dog owners who are expecting a baby. And it is all about... Um, preparing the dog for the pending arrival. And you're right, a lot of it does come down to the family and their preparation um, and and making sure the dog's ready for for the arrival of the baby um, and starting as early as possible. 
to, to get ready for that arrival? I'm mesmerized. It's a title I never dreamt of. <laughs> <laughs> never thought could be possible. But wouldn't it be easier if you just took a book that's titled Tell Your Child You're Pregnant and you just cross the child and put dog on top? <laughs> it would be, but it wouldn't make such a good book, I don't think. If no, no. no one would buy it, probably. You, you, you're trying to sort of say that preparing the first child is the, the second Same. child for the, for the, the first child yes. for the second child is yes. similar. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I suppose, except uh, there's a little bit of issue with dogs and I guess um, and uh, the, the bite statistics as well. Um, so obviously dogs do bite, unfortunately bite babies and bite I children. Saw, I saw little children biting. You, well, yes, yes, yes. The, I don't know why children bite, but certainly the reason dogs bite is a little bit more complicated, I think. So um, we do know that... Um, that approximately, uh, well, every year, unfortunately, um, one or two children are killed in Australia by a dog. Um, and in two-thirds of the time, the dog is, is a dog that's known to that child. So it's the family dog, it's the next-door neighbour's dog, it's grandma and grandpa's dog. So, And that's sort of one of the reasons I wrote the book is to, to help people to be aware of their dog and perhaps the dog's um, body language. Um, and monitoring that um, before the baby arrives so they can do something about it so that when when uh, when those situations perhaps arise, when the baby is in the house, they're prepared for it and they've already prepared the dog as to what needs to happen. Mm. Can you be a bit clearer? Is it, do the dogs, the two cases that we have in Australia every year, they're not babies that get killed, they're toddlers rather than babies? No, it? no, it's um, it's it's often babies. Yeah. Yes, it is often babies. Um, and you know, the, it, there's it's very difficult to, um, after such a traumatic incident has occurred, to be able to get uh, accurate information often from owners, parents, about the circumstances around the baby. So. To, to sort of get an idea of why does it occur can be really difficult because uh, just, just like I said so but we do know that the um, the stats say that uh, for dog bites to children um, as I said it's it's a dog that's familiar to them but it's also usually the the child um, more a toddler or a child um, is doing something what we consider innocuous with the dog so we're feeding the dog we're patting the dog we're maybe giving the dog a hug or possibly uh, just walking past the dog. Um, and also we do know, so we often one of the things we say is we like uh, parents to have active supervision um, of the interactions between the, the dog and, and the child or the baby. Um, and and that's really, really good. And when, I mean, active supervision, we do know that a lot of the dog bites occur when there is a parent actually present in the room. So obviously the parent is either not acknowledging that there's a, there's a problem, that the dog's upset, or not aware of an issue about to happen, and it happens right in front of right in front of the owners or the parents. So, did you write the book in order to protect the existing child, or in order to help the dog to get used to the new child? Uh, as a vet, I, I guess I'm, I'm I'm looking from the, the from the animal perspective, um, and that, I guess that just crosses over to to trying to preserve life and stop people from having a you know, um, disfiguring injuries potentially, you know, uh, they say by the time uh, um, we're 18 years old, about 50% of all people can be remember being bitten by a dog 
as a child. Right. So I certainly I was bitten as a child, not 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 severely, but uh, I'm not sure. Do you remember? Were you bitten at all? No, or do you have dogs? Never, no, never bitten. No. I wasn't around that much around dogs. Nah. No, I've never been bitten. Yeah, well, see, no. my, my example, I was staying at a friend's house and I was bitten by their dog. So, and it certainly, you know, I would have been maybe 10 years old, certainly sticks in your head and, mm. and could have been, could be quite severe. Okay. Now, the book, uh, what I saw is the book comes with a CD. Yes. Is that right? So, so how does the book work? Yeah, so, well, essentially, um, the, the book, uh, well, the CD works. Um, it's got a, um, when my first daughter was born, I actually followed her and my wife around for about six months recording all her sounds that, that she made. And so that went on to the CD. So the CD... Um, the sound is, of the baby. Yeah, the sound oh, of my, my daughter. Yeah, yeah, her okay. sounds. So um, it's uh, all different Did sounds. Did you have her consent? I mean, now she is a famous voiceover artist. Well, well that's yeah. right. I'm worried about the role. <laughs> aspects, yeah, we might discuss that when she turns 18, I'm not sure. Okay. So yeah, obviously I recorded her sounds, and so the CD is, is 13 sounds of all different baby noises, you know, a common recommendation I think that's sort of over the internet and uh, and perhaps in vet clinics and trainers is to say, I'll oh, play a screaming baby noise. Well, if you've had children, you know that children don't just scream all the time, they giggle, they laugh, they burp, they splash in the bath, and that's where the idea of the CD came around, is there are a lot of dogs that uh, that just never heard those noises before um, and the book goes through in one of the chapters about how to use the sounds properly and how to desensitize the dog and make it a good experience for the dog you don't just play the sounds at a high volume and then expect the dog to get used to it you, you start at a very low volume and you associate it with something fun happening or you teach the dog where you want them to be at that time so maybe track number four is the nursing track where mum's nursing the baby where do you want your dog to be at that time well if the dog's normally on your lap when when you sit down you can't really have a baby in a lap mm. a, a great dane in your lap maybe and and, <laughs> and, and a baby Good try. Yeah, you, yeah and a baby and, and nursing so where do you want that dog to be maybe you want it on a mat you know that's right at your feet so you start training it when that sound occurs that you, you give it some treats and associate with going onto that mat now why would a dog be disturbed by the fact that there's a new member in the family or let's say a new noise source <laughs> yeah well the, the actually the biggest issues that occur with um with the baby coming is actually all the changes that occur in the household before that baby actually arrives so often you know um as owners are getting uh, parents owners getting ready to have have their baby there's often a nursery that that's brought in there's new furniture that's brought into the house the um there can be changes that mum actually goes on maternity leave and so she's home a lot more often and perhaps interacting with the dog more but then when the baby finally comes yes obviously there's the new smell of the baby there's the new sounds but there's a change in their routine as well. So maybe mum now has a difficult baby, hopefully not, but it happens, and she's got no time to walk the dog. So the dog's you know, going stir-crazy and may associate the presence of the baby with this change in routine and get upset with that. Maybe the, um, uh, the, the parents aren't comfortable with the dog around the baby and then suddenly the dog finds, well, I was living inside, but now they don't have any time for me and I'm pushed into the backyard, which is quite a common thing. And then we have issues of we're barking in the backyard or howling or we've got separation anxiety or, or lots of different issues. So really the book is about helping owners with that early part before the baby arrives. It talks about what to do once the baby's arrived and is still in the birthing centre with, with mum and then how to do that very first greeting when you bring that baby home and, and meet the dog for the very first time.
a mother to be or a woman that's pregnant, she will be bombarded with books and advice. And then all of a sudden there's one more book about their pet. Isn't that a bit too much then for her? Uh, well, a big, a big uh, of challenge. I think there's only one book they need, Adrian. <laughs> pretty, pretty, yeah, my book. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's a good attitude. Yeah, why not? That's well, well, it's true actually because the dog is actually your first child. If you haven't got any other children, so all of a sudden, yeah, yeah, certainly you the, have to look after it. Yeah, yeah, the dog's often the fur child. The, you know, it's really common, yeah. um, and. Uh, and in fact, the, the the book has you know sold so well. I, I did a cat version. I don't know if you know. It's tell your cat you're pregnant. That's an right. essential yes. guide for cat owners who are expecting a baby. Yeah. So in the same sort of similar vein, helping cat owners prepare for for the pending arrival too. Yeah. Now I heard uh, um, a different story about a dog. It was a German Shepherd actually who noticed itself that the mum is pregnant. Yeah, so is that is that the, um, does that occur? Is that yeah, look, it's really hard to say. I, I think fifty percent of owners say the dog knew before they knew. Yeah, and fifty percent of owners say my dog had no idea. Yeah. So, so you know, um, so some owners can say, "Yet yeah, the dog was a good pregnancy test," um, and and in those situations, maybe it's a hormonal change in mum. Um, you know, who knows what the dogs, they've got such a wonderful sense of olfactory or sense of smell, um, and who knows what they're actually picking up at. But, but my stats say 50-50 whether the dog knows or not. Right. And the cat too. Don't forget cats. Yeah. Well, I know it's a dog podcast. Talk, talk about dogs. I mean, dogs would love to hear about cats but <laughs> some other time. Maybe. <laughs> okay. Now, can you give us an example of uh, a case that you know – Someone actually was very successful with their dog after they read your book or you gave them advice? Uh, well, it's interesting you say that. I mean, I get I get a lot of testimonials from people saying how much it's helped them and uh, and and they're very thankful for the book. But as far as – it's, it's sort of hard to give uh, actual examples because often being someone who goes in and fixes problems – I'm often called when there's a problem, less likely to be called when, oh, it's gone really well, you know, but, but certainly people who've used the book and, and uh, lots of people get onto me worldwide, essentially, because it's available worldwide, um, saying that it has really helped them and, and, and certainly I believe in it or I wouldn't use it. I wouldn't, mm. have, I wouldn't have produced it in the first place. Probably helped a lot of dogs, your book, because I can imagine that uh, young parents, they aren't sure what should they do with their dog. They might have even surrender to a, uh, a dog shelter or even put it down. Very common, yeah, yeah. unfortunately. I think um, a lot of shelters find that, that dogs are given up when, when, when they're pregnant, you know, um, because they, they're, it's, it's daunting, perhaps, the aspect of it. Perhaps the dog's got some behavioural issues that they feel they won't be able to cope with when, when the baby arrives. So certainly, yeah, I, I would love to think that the book has helped um, keep, keep dogs part of the family because it's really important, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, growing up with dogs is, is, is just a wonderful thing for kids, you know. Um, there's lots of, uh, lots of health benefits of having dogs, you know. Um, kids who grow up with dogs are, are thought to be more empathetic. Um, you know, they've got that, that social um, sort of uh, trampoline, should we say, or crash mat, that when things aren't going right at school, we've got that, that stable influence of the dog in the house that we can come home and talk to the dog and, and the dog will always talk back to you and, and give you, you know, wag your tail back. So um, really important. And, and, yeah, you're right, that's, that's part of the reason the book was, was um, meaning that dogs can stay in the family unit. Is there any any particular breed that adapts 
easier to a pregnancy or an an addition to the family and some breeds that do not adapt at all? Yeah, it's really, really interesting, the breed aspect of it. Um, and I do go into it a little bit in the book. And, and there's a lot of uh, media hysteria around certain breeds and not being suitable in the family environment and being the source of um, of more bites than other breeds. Um, but certainly my experience is any breed at all can adapt really well to the environment. And then dogs that don't adapt to the environment, it's not a particular breed that seems to be um, uh, that seems to be not not adapting, if, if that makes sense. So, and certainly the bite stats say say that uh, the um, the most common breed of dog that will bite um, a child is just the most popular breed at the moment. So there's more dogs out there of that particular breed. Let's say it's a golden retriever. If there's more golden retrievers out there. They will spike the the bite stats for that year. And, and there's nothing to say that golden retrievers are a bad dog. They, you know, they can be a beautiful dog, but but every we, we tend to look more at the individual dog than the breed of the dog. Can a dog become jealous or is it anxiety rather? Well, that's a really good point. And I used to think, you know, when I first wrote the book, 2012, it came out, I was pretty staunch. Oh, no, no, it's not. Uh, there's no way a dog can be jealous. But the more I listen and I listen to a lot of podcasts and I listen to a lot of specialists in, in behavior and, uh, um, and there's a guy who did some really good stuff with some chimpanzees and I think that dogs may have some emotions and I think there might be a jealousy component to that and it may not always be anxiety but I'm still not sure about that and I think we've got a long way to go. You know, we're, we're doing studies now where we do MRIs on dogs and try and assess um, their, their brain function. Um, and show, what emotions are they showing when, the, when their owners appear? And, and certainly there is some, some link that possibly dogs are start, do show emotions, but perhaps, uh, perhaps in a different way to we do. All right. So don't give up your dog when you're pregnant and don't even consider not having a, a baby just by <laughs> Dr. Lewis Kirkham's book, Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant. Now, my last question is, uh, when you became father the first time, you would have loved the book that would have said, tell your partner you're pregnant. Yes. And again, could you just cross the, the dog and, and put dead on top? Well, <laughs> I think... I think be the same psychology? Uh, yeah, I think some, you know, some of it might be, could be the same psychology. Um, I guess some of the health aspects are a little bit different between your partner and what it might be for your dog, so... Um, oh, you would like so it to be stuck in the backyard in your... <laughs> <laughs> in, a, in a man cave. Yeah, you, yeah, a you man. go in the backyard and leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> Look, possibly, um, you know, maybe uh, where do you want me to be when you're feeding the baby? Here's an ice cream and go and watch, go and watch some sports or TV. Yeah. It's being very stereotypical, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I know, but it's an idea for a new book. <laughs> I'll keep it in mind. Good. Louise, thank you very much and good luck with your book. Thanks, Adrian. Thanks for having me. That was Dr. Lewis Kirkham, author of Tell Your Dog You're Pregnant. And there is also a version for cats, but uh, let's just erase that from our memory straight away. <laughs> I know we shouldn't say it too loud because dogs would love that book, I'm sure. But anyway, so tell your cat you're pregnant, just in case you're interested. But hang on, Katja. Uh, Dr. Louis Kirkham has his own weekly podcast as well. It's called Two Vets Talk Pets, and he does that with uh, his pal, Dr. Robbie Anderton. 
and I will give you the inside scoop on the secret lives of your pets and have a light-hearted look at the latest animal news, health tips and other random facts. And I'm sure we'll hear more from Louise. Top Dog Odd Spot Challenge Hi Adrian, what do we do now? Haven't we got anyone? Well, uh... Ah! Right on time! Right on time! Hello! Who have we got there? Hello, hello! It's me, Hans. I'm ringing from South Africa. Oh, I am so excited. It's the first time for me that I am on the radio. Oh, dearie me. Hello, I'm Gunther. Hello and good day. That's enough. It's enough when I talk. And saying good day is not funny. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Hello, Hans. Hello, Gunther. Nice to have you here. It's not radio, sorry. It's a podcast. Yes, yes. You're doing a great job. We haven't missed one show yet. We watched them all. Do you mean you listened to them all? Yes, yes, every week. Is that Katya? Katya, is that you? Can I have an autograph? Gunther, don't be so rude. You can't go out there and ask people for their autographs. Yes, I can. No, she's not that famous. <laughs> yes, she is. Sure, you can have one, no problem, but I don't think that'd be worth anything. Hang on, Hans Gunther, Katja, calm down, calm down. Hans Gunther, you would like to participate in our challenge, is that right? What challenge? Challenge? What challenge? Can we win something? That depends on how well your dog is able to say Top Dog Hotspot Challenge. Who? Hey, your dog. Frederica? Yes. <laughs> Frederica doesn't bark. Frederica is a Bozenji. She's an African barkless dog. <laughs> Imagine Frederick saying top modern dog spot or whatever. <laughs> or hot dog stop stop. <laughs> or swap mob hop hop. <laughs> but in earnest, Basenjis really do not bark, and Frederica is a Basenji. But it doesn't mean she's silent. Shrek break left check. Long tongue, wrong song. Gunta, will you be quiet? It's not funny anymore. Rump, pump, jump, hump. Gunta, shush. Okay. Okay. Where were we? Frederica's vocalizations range from a delightful yodel to a hair-raising scream. She can also growl, whimper and whine. Would you like to hear her yodeling? Well, that's not necessarily within our regulations. Wonderful! Gunther, get ready! Frederiki, come here! Come here, my girl! And, um, oh, no! No, Frederike, no, let go! Oh, no! Now she does it again. Let go of my hands. Stop it. Sit. Stop. 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 Be a good girl. No, no. Gunta, pull her off me. Stop, Frederick. Stop it. Would you like a biscuit? Are you crazy as if you're going to reward her now? Come again. No, no, stop it. No. Oh, no, she's too fast. Frederick, stop it. Oh. Sit or Frederica, do something. Gunta. No, don't. Oh, quick. Go get it. Go get her! Make sure she's not running away! Make sure she's not running into the backyard! 
Hans, Gunther, hello. We don't have that much time left anymore. Hello, anyone there? <laughs> I think, I think they left. I think they ran out of the house. I think we should hang up. Yeah, let's hang up. Mm, that didn't go down well, did it? No. <laughs> well, at least I tried. And, and that's the main thing of our challenge anyway. So you have to be in it to win it. And if you would like to have a go, drop us an email at woofwoof at topdog.space. That brings us to the end of our show. Thanks for having us. And remember, if and when you're pregnant, tell your dog. We also learned that you can achieve a lot with small steps. That's right. And tell your friends about our podcast. Listen to us on www.topdog.space. And find us in your favorite podcast app or podcast portal. And I say bye-bye. And I say say hello to your mum from me. <laughs> <laughs>